Craig Tyser, it's wonderful to have you with us on the ATP podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Candy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what's life been like in the last twelve months? Um, it's yeah, it's been very different, very um, quiet for me, and it's been a lot of time with family, which I haven't done for a, a lot of years. So, my eldest daughter last year had her first child, so I'm a grandfather now. So, it was nice to be able to spend a lot of time this year at home and with family and doing those family things. You're so. too young to be a grandfather, I don't <laughs> believe it. Um, no. So I'm actually just reading Ash Barty's book and it's really interesting. Have you read it? Um, I haven't, no, <laughs> I actually haven't. Um, you, you know, know the story. I know the ending, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what an ending it was. Yeah, yeah. So when you went into the Australian Open in 2022, were you expecting, I, I don't think you could ever expect, but did you believe that she could go all the way? Uh, yeah, I actually felt during Adelaide that this was probably the year where she was composed and calm and um, fully in sync with what we were trying to do. And I felt like like if she got through, you know, the first couple of rounds, then, yeah, she was probably a genuine chance. And she won singles and doubles, if I remember rightly, in Adelaide. In Adelaide, yeah. Started, I mean, played Coco Golf in the first round. And the first matches for Ash, always the start of the season, are always a bit iffy. So... She actually started quite well, but it was a really close and tough match for us. So it actually held her in good stead. And then, you know, she didn't drop another set. So for, for that week and then all of the, the AO. So. Were there any um, close moments? Uh, obviously, the second set of the final was pretty close with Danielle Collins turning it on a little bit more. But was there ever a moment that you were slightly concerned throughout the two weeks? Um, no, not really. Um, it was more about keeping Ash interested. <laughs> she tended to be in the in the frame of mind where she didn't really care if she won or lost, which gave her the opportunity to just play how she wanted to play. I felt she was quite fearless throughout the, the two weeks. And the only time she was nervous was before the final. So all the other matches, she was very relaxed. And, and I actually felt more on edge myself because I thought, OK, I haven't got Ash ready. She's not nervous at all. But... She actually played the way she should have played in all of those matches anyway. Yeah, look, I actually felt, even for the final, I felt she was in control a lot of the time. She played probably two bad service games where she just missed her spots. And, you know, you do that against Danielle and she can blow you off the court. And that, that's what happened. But, you know, she found a way back in. And, and then I think once it got tied, I felt Ash was in control again. So. Um, as you were saying that, you were saying Ash at one point didn't really care if she won or lost. Can you explain that? Because that seems... As a top professional tennis player playing in your home major tournaments, that seems remarkable. Yeah, and I, I, I've never seen that with Ash before, so it was it was very different, and it was it occurred in Adelaide. So um, she really just played with complete and utter freedom, and you know there was no situations where she got anxious or she got nervous or she got tight or thought too much about what had happened. You know, if she played a bad point, she moved on very quickly. Um, and that was often not the case. Um, so for her to be able to let go of everything and just play what was in front of her was probably the first time I've seen that the whole time we'd been together. So um, I just felt like it was, I mean, you talk about being in the zone and I felt Ash was just completely in it, but I'm not sure how she got to that point other than the fact she thought, well, this might be the last time I play here, so. Wow, well, we'll come back to that in a minute. During the tournament, um, obviously, there's an enormous amount of media speculation and pressure around you and Ash. 
How do you keep your player away from that? Do they switch off the phone, switch off the television, just live in a bubble? Yeah, very much so. Ash has always performed at her best overseas when, when it's been a small group of us. Um, and always back here in Australia, the group gets quite large with family and friends and, and people who want to come and support Ash. So um, we kept it really small and tight off the court the whole time um, throughout Adelaide and the AO in that we just kept our small group and a small team together and did everything together and kept, you know, we'd come in here to the AO and we had a super box upstairs that we just disappeared to so nobody knew we were in. So we're able to just keep it amongst ourselves and keep it quite, um, you know, keep all that hysteria away from Ash. Um, and also then just all the people who want a piece of her. So I felt we did a good job with that. Like really this time was probably the first time we did it the best. And you know, obviously it paid off. You did a really good job. Did you feel the pressure? Yeah, I did actually. Cause I felt, well, this, you know, she was playing how well Ash was playing at the time. Um, I sort of felt, well, this is the, the opportunity. So yeah, I felt a lot more pressure. So that was why I tried to control a lot more of the environment, which I hadn't done before. But yeah, I mean, I probably did more work on matches than I have in the past in that I wanted every detail to be ticked and every box to be checked. So yeah, I did a lot more scouting and a lot more matches and yeah, it, it seemed to work pretty well. And then all she has to worry about is actually her performance on court. Yeah. and. I guess my role, and it was always that, was to for her to have no surprises when she was out there. So if a player changed their game or did something different that it wasn't, oh, what is this? You know, like we hadn't talked about it or I didn't know this was coming. And I think, yeah, we covered that really well throughout the two weeks for the AO. And I felt, yeah, her performance was, you know, one of the best two weeks she's put together for a long time. A stunning two weeks. Uh, you went back to, well, you mentioned that uh, maybe she was so relaxed because she knew it may be the last tournament. So did you have an inkling at the beginning of the year that this could be it? Yeah, it was more probably after her win at Wimbledon. I mean, that was always a major goal for her. So, um, you know, then we tried to make the Olympics, uh, you know, following that a, a bit more of a big deal. And, you know, we hadn't been to the Olympics together, hadn't, you know, experienced that and it was it was very different because of COVID, so it made it but quite difficult. But yeah, she really struggled to get up for that, which I was quite surprised about because it's, you know, teams events, she's usually, you know, that's one of her goals is to play for Australia and, and support the other players as well. But she found it quite hard to be motivated through that. So I sort of felt, yeah, look, maybe this is heading towards the image. She was never going to be a, a lifetime tennis player for her. You know, I know Ash, differently than most people see her play. I mean, we know her as Ash the tennis player, but I know her as Ash the person. And, you know, there's more to Ash than just, you know, she is a tennis player, but that's not who she is. So I always felt she would move on once she achieved a lot of her goals. And yeah, that was the sort of the case after the AO finished. And the Wimbledon was the big one. She always stated that was the childhood dream. That was the one she, she watched. She mentioned that in her book uh, as a child. How much pressure was that during the championships, those two weeks there on the grass? Yeah, look, it was very different. It was very different because she had an injury at the French and we sort of had to monitor. I mean, wasn't sure if we were going home after the French because of it. Luckily, you know, our physio, Melanie, she sort of felt she could treat it symptomatically with how Ash was feeling pain. And so she went in extremely underdone. Like for me, tennis wise, I felt, you know, she'll be lucky to win a couple of matches because she was 
way off track with regard to hitting enough balls on grass. But, you know, knowing Ash and how well she plays on grass, it wasn't a surprise when she won a couple of, you know, she played Carla in the first, mm -hmm. which was an emotional one for, for both of them. So um, it was actually a good start because it sort of got her fired up and, and into it. Um, but it was a different tournament because we were locked into a hotel, you know, for three weeks and had to travel a big distance to and from the court. So it was very different to any other Wimbledon we've experienced before as well. But, yeah, I, I think because it was so different, I didn't really feel the pressure. And the fact that I knew Ash wasn't, you know, super well prepared. And so it was more or less take every match as it comes and we'll just see how we go. So she beats Carla Suarez Navarro in the first round. Talk us on from then. What happened in the second round and how did the momentum and feelings change given that you thought she was a little underdone and then obviously played herself into the tournament? Yeah, I think, you know, each each match she played, I felt she got better and better and stronger and even to the point where we were taking less time on court to get things ready just to make sure that this injury didn't flare again as well. And I felt like she played enough, like it was three-setter against Carla. The next one, she luckily had an easier round but didn't play as well, so she was quite lucky that that occurred and it wasn't Carla, so it was a bit of a letdown with her performance. Um, but then, you know, each match after that, she sort of in increased her level, got better and better and, and stronger throughout the tournament, which I felt was great. And even the middle Sunday, we decided not to hit, which Ash is probably, we've never done that before, where we've taken a day off. And it was really just to stop the travel going in and out just to give her a complete break from that side of things. And then, yeah, look, she, you know, she just played some incredible tennis. And, you know, the one at the match against Angie was, you know, some of the best tennis I've seen Ash play. And then to perform again in the final that well was incredible as well. And what were your emotions like afterwards? Yeah, it's quite funny because, you know, I can sit back and watch, you know, other people play or other matches and get sort of really involved and move. But I think when you're you've done the work and you're involved in that side of it. I tend not to get emotionally involved. It's more, okay, you know, we've got a job to do and this is the stuff we do. And I think it's, for me, it's sort of weeks and months later that it registers that, oh, we've actually done this. And it's more for us, I suppose, when we come back from overseas. You know, we don't see what's going on back home. And, you know, my family had a house full of friends over watching the final, but I'm not aware of that, you know, until I get back home and they said, you know, this is what it was like. So. Um, yeah, for me, it's, you know, it's been, we treat every tournament the same, try not to make too much of a difference. I mean, slams are always a little bit different, um, but we try and treat each, treat each match and, and each tournament the same so that there's not a lot of difference when we play. Um, and I think that helps both of us um, get through. But, yeah, often there's not the excitement that, but, yeah, Wimbledon was pretty special, yeah. Um, Ash always talked about the team, didn't she? A big team person. You said about Melanie, the physio. Yes. Are you responsible for creating the team? Is she picking the individuals that come with you? Because, of course, you've got to really have good chemistry and be very united. Yeah, look, um, we more or less did that together. We started with different people when we first started back, but um, progressed into, you know, the strength and conditioning coach we wanted. Um, and these happen to be people that work in at Tennis Australia. So it was a bit of a you know, working around things and getting them to away from their jobs to come with us as well. And Melanie's the same, um, you know, she worked within TA as well, but, you know, they're both um, experts in their field and, um, you know, they, they related to Ash so well and it was a really good environment. 
that we all enjoyed and we all enjoyed each other's company but respected each other and and I think the fact when you you're doing it with Ash you sort of have a feel a bit of responsibility that you need to make sure you're doing the right things and I think we all felt that um, you know with Ash and she created that environment you know that, that she was that type of person where she made everyone feel comfortable and entitled to do their job as best they could um, and everyone had the freedom to do that and and I think yeah look it worked really well it was a pretty cohesive group. It seemed like just from reading the book that this psychologist was almost the missing part of the puzzle you had everything else in place but she couldn't get over a hurdle mentally mm. and that was what changed everything does that sound right to you? Yeah look yeah look it was, it was for me it was a progression at, at you know, Ash talks about the match against Daria Kazakina as a as a turning point, but that was more the the turning point for her in that she saw the result of what her behaviour was, and I guess that hurt her deeply. Um, and for me, it had been a build up over time. I mean, her and Casey lost the French Open doubles final, and it was a for me it was a complete and utter meltdown, and they didn't want to be out there. So. It had been a long time to get to the point to where I was at and, and I I wasn't sure I had the tools to take her further with regard to that mental side and um, her belief in herself. And so, yeah, look, I tapped into Ben Crow, who I knew and, and had talked to previously about this stuff. And then I felt like the timing was right after that match with Kazakh Kenya because Ash was then ready to accept it. Before that, I don't think she would have agreed to do it or thought that she needed to do it but it certainly yeah look for something that we felt like and she felt like was a bit of a weakness in her game but ended up being one of her strengths you know because she worked at it so hard and we're seeing psychologists more and more aren't we we've seen uh, Iga Swiatek travels with one now a lot of the players really use that as a huge resource do you see that getting moving further and further and more players using a psychologist by their side yeah, look, I think, you know, players, you need to do whatever you need to do to get to the next level. And, um, you know, if if Ash needed a different strength and conditioning coach that where she needed more speed or, you know, someone who was a specialist in that area, we would have looked at doing that. But, you know, her area was self-belief and, um, you know, adjusting to the pressures and, and understanding all of that side of it. So it was more then... And, it, and for me, it's it's the same as working on a forehand. Ash used to work on this exactly the same as she did her strokes. It was a daily operation. And it was continuous, even through, you know, periods where, where pre-season she had time off. It was something we kept and made sure that she kept doing throughout that because it was probably the major area for Ash um, to help her to realise her talent. And, and being on the tour, we sort of we could feel there was a lot of players that could benefit from something like this and there's also a lot of players who don't want to do it because they don't want to find out so um for ash to be able to take it on and then you know push herself so far and then you know find out she was good enough um is pretty amazing so it takes the team doesn't it to really achieve what you want to um did you feel like the rest of us uh just sort of a bit empty when she announced her retirement and you realised that your wonderful adventure, which consisted of three major championships, wasn't going to continue? Yeah, look, a little bit. It's probably more so, you know, in the last year. Just, you know, I don't miss the travel at all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Ash and I have talked a bit about, you know, the things we miss and it's probably that 
the team being together and on the road and, you know, the things you go through and experience. And um, But, you know, we realised we had such a good run and, and you know, it's, now it's over and we move, we move on. So, you know, our contact is still the same. We just don't talk about tennis as much. But, you know, we're, we're looking to um, work together to do some, some things with, you know, the next generation of players coming through. So, you know, it'll be great to keep that connection and, and keep doing that as well. Yeah, so we've heard uh, there's an academy planned, I believe, in Brisbane uh, with you and Ash and Jason Stoltenberg. Can you reveal any more about that? Yeah, look, we haven't we haven't got any plans about a venue or anything yet. I mean, Jason and I are both in, based in Melbourne um, and Ash is in Brisbane, but we've sort of had chats with Tennis Australia about mentoring and and helping the next generation you know whether it's the the top age groups or um you know the younger kids where we feel like ash has had um some representation in all of that and you know hopefully the generation who have watched her we can influence and and they can ask her questions and talk to her and and jason and i both you know spend a lot of time coaching so we've got that that side of it as well so yeah, look, we're hoping to just give back a little bit and, and see what we can do. But, you know, Ash has already been on court and doing stuff with, um, you know, Liv Gadecki and, um, and and that was even when we were playing, we spent time with Liv and, um, you know, that's something she, she enjoyed. So it, it's not going to be that big a transition for her. But, yeah, we're looking to do something. So hopefully the future looks bright for all of us to be involved in tennis still. So that's the future. Just uh, the past, you were an ATP player for a while I, I was yeah look but early on and and it was it was a long I mean, it was a long time ago now so um but yeah I had injuries and um you know setbacks and sort of fell on my feet with with because Tony Roach was helping me and when I was injured it was either an oper- shoulder operation or take a break and he asked me to work with him at custom credit operation tennis which was some of our best juniors so I sort of fell into that coaching side of it. And I think that with Tony sort of sparked my bug for coaching because I just loved the way he went about it and, you know, his relationship with players and how, how he improved players. I think that sort of kicked me off and my shoulder never got better and I never went back to playing. So What a great mentor, though. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, I spent two years under him. You know, we worked six days a week on court full time. I mean, I couldn't have asked for, a, you know, a better experience to start you know, learning from. So, And then you've coached the likes of Nick Kyrgios before? You worked a little bit with Nick? Nick was Nick was part of Tennis Australia um, in the programs when we were in here, but I, I didn't have a lot of, a lot to do with Nick um, uh, back in the day. But, yeah, I have with a few players, Alex Bolt, um, you know, Luke Saville, been on tour with them. But originally I coached Andrew Illy, who was um, an Australian player that that I worked with and and spent a lot of time with Andrew and that was you know a fun time as well. I actually went to uh, Italy on tour with the Great Britain team and Andrew was part of the Australian team with Alan Bellow-Bradgic and James Sekulov and Mark Philippoussis. Okay. Mark Philippoussis was the number five at the time. (laughs) Yeah wow. So it shows how things can change in an awful quick moment doesn't it? Yeah I know yeah well I mean Mark was (laughs) such a talent and so raw at you know like 17 and 18 that yeah it wasn't going to be long before he went past all those guys with his ability that was for sure who do you see as the future of um, australian tennis you mentioned olivia at gadecki very very talented indeed is there anybody else coming up that can sort of fill the boots yeah, that ash, ash left ash and i had spent a bit of time with a young girl from wa i mean she's 17 um taylor preston we did um a bit of pre-season with her 
Um, she's, you know, uh, she's played mostly juniors, so she's 10 in the world in the juniors, but she needs to move into the senior ranks and experience that. So we had a couple of weeks pre-season with her working just on some of those things, the next step and how you get there and, you know, what's going to be required both physically and um, tennis-wise and then mentally. So um, that was great. I mean, unfortunately, she hurt her back in Adelaide, so she's sort of resting for the next few weeks, so missing the summer. Um, but other than that, we haven't really kicked off and done much. So we've been, you know, we're ma mainly just having a look around. Jason and I went to Terralgon and had a look at some of the juniors down there the last week, as well as the kids in qualifying here. So, and we'll look at the juniors next week um, here as well. Ash is a sort of a rare breed, isn't she? She's breathing that rare air, but it's not that easy. I mean, it's to get to the level she has, we know how many hours, you particularly know how many hours and the dedication and that's a unique trait of people. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the total package, you don't have any chance, do you? No, and I think that's, you know, that was a story I like to tell about Ash because people always said how talented she was and, you know, they almost expected her to go through. But, you know, she worked incredibly hard to get to where she was. I mean, you know, the amount of work she'd, she'd spend in the gym or running or on the bike or you know, on her speed um, and then the hours we spent on court just hitting balls and getting parts of her game right that everyone thought there was nothing wrong with them. But it was because we did so much work and, and she put in so much time and effort. And then, yeah, on, on the mental side for her, then spending time doing all that as well. So, you know, it's, it's not an easy journey. You know, it's an incredibly tough journey. So the players who make it to, to that level, you know, put in an enormous amount of work and effort to get to get there and you you know you got to step back and you know you look at Rafa and Roger and what they they've done and you know it's and we spent you know the same number of weeks at the French Open watching Rafa those guys do what they do and it's it it's incredible the amount of effort they put in so to learn from we've been lucky through this era to have players like that around to learn from as well and hopefully that's what Ash is showing you know the younger Australians and the younger generation Absolutely. What do you see the future of tennis? Do you see Sylvika Schwiantek now completely dominating the women's side? I know she's somebody who said, I'd love to have a bit more of a rivalry with Ash, but that's not going to happen. She really looked up to, to Ash, didn't she? Yeah, they did. And they had, you know, a pretty good friendship. We got along, you know, on tour with Iga really well and respected what she was doing and the way she was going about it. Um, yeah, she had a, you know, a standout year last year. So for me, it's about the girls now underneath taking that step and I think someone like Jess Pegula has really made a big step and she looks like she's she's really improved um, you know Caro Garcia coming back and 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 really finishing off the year well I think there'll be some challenges so you know it's always hard when you're at the top because everyone wants to take a piece of you but you know you try and stay a step ahead but people are going to come at you and that's what you want you actually want that challenge and that was a big part of Ash she loved that side of her someone beat her she never wanted to lose to him again so you know, eager's of that mindset, so I'm sure she'll enjoy the challenges that are, are going to be thrown at her. And any uh, regrets that you had with Ash? Anything you'd like to do again? Uh, no, no. You know, I could go through and win some more Grand Slams, but we experienced <laughs> that. But no, no regrets. No, nothing. I mean, the journey itself is is a an amazing part of it, and and I think yeah, there's nothing I'd change or 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 want to step back from or do again. So. No, I loved every minute of it and, and wouldn't want to change a thing. I think uh, when she announced her retirement, 
a lot of people thought well, she may go into professional golf. Was there ever a, a thought in your mind that she might take that option? No, not at all. <laughs> no, golf's just an enjoyment for her. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, she won't. I can't see her wanting to play another professional sport. I mean, if she was going to do it, she would play tennis. So she doesn't want it. I mean, she wants to, you know, now she's going to have a family. So, yeah. you know, she'll be involved with that. She's looking forward to doing that and spending time with her family and and you know, her sisters and their siblings. So, um, you know, that's Ash's future. Um, whether she comes back to tennis, who knows? It, it might be her and Naomi making a Wow, uh, and Angie Kerber, the three well, of them. could be, all the mums coming back on tour. <laughs> that would be fantastic. And you could be a godfather, Ties. I could be, yeah. I have a feeling I, that I, might happen. I, I might, well, I've suggested that, <laughs> you know, Craig is a really good name for a child, so. Um, Boy or girl. Yeah, I'm, but I doubt that very much, so. <laughs> Craig Ties, it was wonderful to have you on the HP podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks, Danny. Nice, nice to be here. <laughs>